sex has just become a, a commodity, mm-hmm. right? And some people, some people will say, hey, that's fine. Some people will say, no, that's bad. Regardless of your opinion on it, there's no question that also, that also has caused, you know, it's reduced marriage rates and certainly delayed them. People mm-hmm. getting married much later and having children much later than, than they used to. If we were to go back not so long ago, you know, guys like myself and yourself, we would be married with multiple children. Mm-hmm. Even for people who are conscious of some of these things, it, it, it still affects you. There are a lot of children also in our generation. Uh, you know, we're both blessed to have come from solid, stable families. But there are hundreds of millions of young people in our generation and younger who are children of divorced parents mm-hmm. or, you know, fathers who were not there or people who are abusive, etc. And that also creates a perception around marriage and family. It makes the whole concept less, far less appealing. Yo, what's good, everybody? This is Hafiz, and welcome back to another episode, guys. Guys, guys I'm not gonna lie, we had a we had a full podcast <laughs> literally before we recorded this episode, and I am so excited about bringing back this individual back on the podcast, man. There's just, man, like I said, a lot of people that I meet who come on the podcast, they're not, they're they're. they're how can I put this? People think everyone's my best friend. <laughs> and and everybody really does a great job of when they come on, turning on and being happy and friendly and all that stuff. But not everybody is as kind and as respectful as you see them when they're recording. And so to me, it's always really powerful. It's always really encouraging and inspiring to meet people who when they when we record and they, they don't turn on. This is actually who they are. These are this is their character, their beliefs, their values, their principles. This is who they are, and, and it's something that I admire, and it's something that I aspire to be like. And this individual is the epitome of that man. He is literally my brother from another mother, all away from across the pond. Please welcome back to the show, the one and only Zuby. Hey, bro. Thank you for the introduction. Man. What up, man? I'm good, bro. Happy yeah, to be here. Doing good. Zuby did Unfiltered earlier this week, came back to do the the, the podcast. So I'm super glad that you're here, man. I'm happy to be here, bro. I've been in the States for a couple of weeks now. Yeah. It's been love everywhere. Was out yeah. and about in Dallas yesterday. Yeah. Got recognized a lot. Yeah. A lot of love. Yeah. Took a lot of selfies. <laughs> and, uh, it's been good. Man, I think me and Zuby probably met each other 2019 and at that time i maybe was at maybe 30,000 like on all my channels you maybe you had a little bit of a buzz at the time you were at a probably 100,000 maybe with all your platforms and now literally you've blown up man the 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 past couple years man now you're over a million <laughs> within all your platforms and man it has been such a journey to see you explode and it's been such a blessing because you know well as we'll talk about later on man like you winning to me is, is just men winning it's it's people winning it's humanity winning Thank and you, bro. so bro I'm, I'm really excited about your growth and success Thanks so much man and yeah. uh it's been amazing watching you guys grow as well yeah i mean in that two years i yeah. think you've 10x yeah, 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 your yeah. audience yeah and that's phenomenal you know i'm there watching from wherever i am in the world <laughs> yeah listening to a lot of episodes and you're you're killing it man 
No, that's that's awesome, man. So there's a lot I want to talk to you about. I just love the way your brain thinks. I think you're somebody who, who's one of the the great intellectuals of our time, um, especially of our generation. And so I think your voice is something that's going to really help a lot of people. And there's a lot of ideas I want to bounce off of you, um, and want to see your thoughts as well. Okay. So initially we were having a conversation literally seconds before we recorded, and you told me to stop talking about this <laughs> and to and to um, and to talk about it on the podcast. And so. I think it was a couple of when we did the show initially, we were talking about this topic. And one of the things I said was that I personally noticed a lot of black intellectuals or people who are, you know, African-American, whatever it may be, whatever Mm -hmm. word you use, a lot of them, their specialty. I don't want to use the word specialty. A lot of them, when people bring them on to talk, they bring them on to talk about race. Mm. And it appears that a lot of black intellectuals appears that they're like one trick ponies. Yeah. Um, And so to me, I've never wanted to be a one trick pony because I don't see any other intellectual being a one, one, all you can talk about is this topic. Mm -hmm. Um, But what I find too often with, with a lot of smart black people all they can talk about is race Mm. and so what i've loved the most about you and your and your and your growth is that zuby is not the race guy like zuby can talk about philosophy politics you know relationships music science like zuby can talk about everything and people depending on what people are they they go to you for different things Mm. and they respect you for different things and so to me I've I've really I've really I love that about you, man. And Thank you. and 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 I was curious to Alex. I don't really remember our first conversation as much, but yeah. so I don't want to repeat it itself, uh, repeat ourselves too much. But I'm curious to do you feel as though a lot of black intellectuals are limited to simply talking about race? Yeah, I do. I observe the same thing you observe there. And I think it happens for two reasons. Mm -hmm. Number one, I think I think it's both internal and external why that happens. So I think oftentimes when a black person is brought onto a podcast or an interview or especially a TV slot, oftentimes there is a specific angle. They're bringing that person on because they do want to talk about something that has to do with race. So even if that individual perhaps does have many other ideas and thoughts that they can share, Mm -hmm. it ends up with that being the conversation. So that can create an illusion as if that's specifically what they want to talk about. But then oftentimes there are a lot of people who are just obsessed with the topic of race. There are a lot of not just black people. There are white people who are obsessed with the topic of race. There's Hispanic people who are obsessed with the topic of race. But I think particularly here in the USA, it exists in the UK too, absolutely. Mm -hmm. But particularly here in the USA, partially due to the history Mm -hmm. and probably due to the much wider diversity in the country. I mean, black people are 13% of the US population. In the UK, it's about 1%, I believe. So it's just different conversations. The US in general, focuses on the topic and concept of race much more than many other countries do. So it's one of those things that, I mean, you you can even do university degrees and courses where you're learning about race. You're doing a a whole course on that. And 
it doesn't interest me. Yeah. I mean, I can talk about, I can talk about race, but it's not a very interesting, it's not a very interesting topic to yeah, me. Yeah. I mean, what is it, what does it even mean? People yeah. like to use the term social construct a lot these days, especially yeah. in terms of gender, which isn't one, but when Are it comes you sure to you? <laughs> a women's deadlift record holder, but, um, but race is not an interesting, it's not an interesting topic in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. There's so many other things we can talk about, so many other things that unite us. And it, I don't even use the term like I, if someone called me a black intellectual, I wouldn't necessarily be offended by it. Really? But I'd be kind of like, why not just call me an intellectual? I'd definitely be offended by that. <laughs> you know, I, you know, I mean, I, it, it depends on how it's said. Yeah. Right. I, it just. I'm just like, what's what's the reason for the prefix? Yeah. Does the prefix always need to be? I mean, would you call Jordan Peterson a white intellectual? Exactly. Right. Exactly. Would you call Ben Shapiro a Jewish intellectual? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just say he's he's an intellectual. He's a smart guy. Yeah. Whatever. And I think that again, due to this hyper focus that some people have on race, I also think that a lot of people actually box themselves in mm-hmm. and somewhat let themselves down. Right. I was actually talking to a friend who uh, he, he, run, he run, runs, a big, runs a big podcast, you know, a, a young, young black guy. And he was saying something about having one of the, you know, the, the biggest, you know, black business podcasts or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just said, just why not just strive to have the best, the 100%. best podcast? 100%. Right. I don't like it when they, they have movies or music video categories or whatever. And it's, you know, the best music video by a black artist <laughs> yeah, yeah, best yeah. there's no white category yeah. there's often no hispanic or arabic etc category i feel the same way by the way with with women i feel when people put that as a prefix this is a black owned business mm-hmm. this is a woman owned business you you run a black owned business technically yeah. i run a black owned business technically yeah. i would never in my i've never in my life called my business oh, a black yeah. owned business let yeah. alone a black business because it goes beyond that. Why am I limiting myself to that? Mm-hmm. It also creates this perception that what I do mm-hmm. is specifically and exclusively for black people. No, it's not. Yeah, it's not. Right? Maybe if you have like a, a barber shop or or something where it's like you specifically cater to Afro hair or something, mm-hmm. then it might make sense. There are certain niches where that makes sense. But in general, nobody would say, hey, "I've got a white owned business," or yeah. "This is like a this is a a white." podcast (laughs) this is a white business podcast people would look at them like they're crazy so it's like look you don't need to do that all the time and i love human beings i love humanity i rock with everybody who's cool anybody who's decent i don't care about all that stuff it's not how i grew up it's not how i was raised no that's dope and i and i definitely think obviously there's historical reasons why you know, some people may put create those categories and stuff like that. And I, but I mm-hmm. agree with you 100%. You should never box yourself into yeah. by any any subcategory of society. And the first point that you brought up um, when I was asking that question about um, people, people f- like black individuals being put in those certain boxes, it's something that I, I actually realized when I was actually working in the church. Mm. Because when... You know, I was at, I was at, I was work I was working at a church, and majority of the staff was African was black people. Mm-hmm. Um, and wh- whenever the, any of the pastors got invited to other churches to mm-hmm. speak, it was never on Old Testament theology, it was never on New Testament theology, never on missiology, never on ecclesiology, never on eschatology. It was literally on racial reconciliation. Interesting. That was the only time any of the pastors. But during but if you go to our the church, mm-hmm. we never talked about that. Like like. 
like we were it was a strictly bible believing you know going through books of the bible at a time like we it was rarely talking about race so it's Mm. one thing if you're like if you've labeled yourself as i'm gonna be the dr eric dyson and the race guy but like no these Mm. we were just everybody there was just bible guys yep but only time they were brought on was mm-hmm. to simply talk about race. And so I've seen that from my life mm-hmm. and I've seen that from other people's lives. It's like when certain intellectuals come on, it's like I can always, when I see a thumbnail, I'm like, I know what the topic is. Mm-hmm. Something race. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's like, why can't we expound upon that? Why can't it be, if we're talking about you know, the history of you know, the Aztec people, with mm-hmm. a black guy. Mm-hmm. Why can't it be we're talking about philosophy of Nietzsche versus philosophy of, you know, freaking um Carl Jung? Like, you know, like yeah. so to me, what what I've I've strived my hardest is for the true diversity of thought. Mm-hmm. You know, for the true ability for you never to be limited. Yes. And I feel as though, in my opinion, what happens for a lot of these people is that there's money in being limited. Mm-hmm. So there's this one guy who, who told me clearly years ago, he was like, if you want to travel the world and talk to race with white people, mm-hmm. you can be a very rich man. Yes, absolutely. You can be a very rich man, yeah. you, but that you'll, that's all you'll be. Mm-hmm. And so I see sometimes people will take that quick route to success mm-hmm. because there's it's there they yeah. want somebody to talk to about especially if you agree with what they have sure, to say sure. and so do you do you feel like initially when you're sharing ideas that there was a lot of people who would give you offers to simply come and talk about race or do you feel like from the onset they always wanted you to talk about a diversity of things All right, guys, we got to take a quick break from this amazing episode to talk to you guys about our amazing sponsors over at Skillshare. Skillshare is a -a one-of-a-kind online learning community where you can learn all types of amazing creative entrepreneurial design skills that you can be able to add to your everyday life to become the best version of yourself. Guys, all throughout the episode, you're going to be getting so many amazing tangible tips and so much gems so that you guys can be the best version of yourself. And Skillshare has so many free, I'm talking about free online course that you can take today. You can sign up for these things. I know a lot of guys have been loving the how to find your purpose course and so many other courses that are available for free on Skillshare. So go to Skillshare.com slash roommates to get your one month free of Skillshare premium. So many men in the roommates community have been doing Skillshare, have been growing from Skillshare and you need to join their numbers. Skillshare.com slash roommates and let's get back to this week's episode. Yeah, see one advantage that I have and which has been quite intentional is that from the beginning of me having any public persona which started out with my music Mm -hmm. is that was never a huge subject for me. Yeah. Right, I was never the guy who talked a lot about race. You can go back and listen to my, my first albums. I'm not talking a lot about race and or in interviews, et cetera, on my podcast. Sure, it comes up sometimes. I don't I don't shy away from any given conversation, but I never put myself in that category or like I said with my business, I never labeled it in that way. And people can see what I look like. Yeah. People can yeah, see yeah, people yeah. can I don't need to tell anybody that yeah. I'm black. I I've I go on some people's social media profiles. Yeah. And in their bio, 
they have wasted five letters, <laughs> five characters in their bio telling you that they're black. <laughs> they, they, there's a profile photo, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, there's yeah. a profile photo, you know, yeah. black. Sometimes they'll put black woman yeah. or black man. It's yeah. like, we can see, <laughs> we can see. So yeah, I'm just yeah. like, yo, just do your thing. Be yeah. dope, handle your business, have great character, be a good person. We can see who you are. We can yeah. see if you're male, we can see if you're female, we can see if you're black, white, brown, whatever. Mm-hmm. And honestly, most people don't care. Yeah, People only tend to care when it's when they're forced to when they're forced to most people don't honestly most people don't think about race that much now i know there are people who do but that's kind of their own psychological hang-up yeah but most people don't unless they are forced to unless something brings it to the fore Mm -hmm. right when you're just hanging around with a group of people or you're walking around a city you're not there thinking like oh that's a white person that's a black person that's you have eyes you recognize things but it's not a preoccupation in your brain and, and if it is actually i think that's yeah. i think that's a problem yeah. and i think that's actually where a lot of true racism stems from when mm-hmm. people start thinking in a very hyper racialized way mm-hmm. and then they start making broad judgments and sweeping statements and ascribing to a collective yeah something that an individual perhaps has said or done that's mm-hmm. largely what a lot of the root of bigotry is so with me it's a it's a little bit like how in the political sphere a lot of people ask me, man, have you uh, received a lot of backlash because of this or because of that? But I'm like, I've always been here. Yeah. I've, I've always, I haven't shifted politically. I'm not someone, man, you know, I used to be a super mega leftist in my 20s. And then I, I took some big turn mm. and I became uh, conservative. I had my red pill moment. Yeah. I awakened. I, I'm just like, oh, I've always been here. Yeah. I've always been here and I've always been honest. And I've become more open with that over time. But I'm just like, look, this is me. Yeah. Take it or leave it. And t- to your point, I have had, because uh, I do get a lot of invitations to do radio interviews, TV interviews, podcasts, et cetera. And I have declined stuff mm-hmm. because they want me to talk about something I don't want to talk about. Yeah. Right. I have had ones where they're like, yeah, we want you to come on and talk about uh, racial issues in BLM. Yeah. And maybe I'll say yes to one or two, mm-hmm. but I don't want to do 10 of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right. Yeah. I'm happy to talk. If you want me to talk about BLM, cool. Like, yeah. I'll do it. Yeah. And but I'm not going to do a whole bunch of yeah. those. And I'll, I've emailed big stations even, very mm-hmm. big stations. I've emailed them back saying, I'm not interested in talking about this, but if you want me to talk about something else, I love it. the door is open. Because I'm that. also conscious that I, I don't want to become yeah. that guy who is every time I'm on, I'm talking about yeah. that issue. No, I love that. And, and, and that's, I think that's my message to any creator, mm-hmm. whatever ethnicity, gender, whatever you may be, is that don't, be boxed in yes you know and be very careful that if you're constantly creating a culture constantly creating conversation off one singular issue even though it's getting you views you can get boxed in very easily and so i I really love that message to you zuby and sorry to jump in and and when you get boxed in you can always get out of a box yeah but it's harder it's Uh easier it's easier to not allow yourself to get boxed in in the first place yeah so because once because once you do that you create an audience that expects that yeah. that expects that yeah you like to and go once, on Instagram exactly who shows her butt all the time and now she wants to talk about her science it, theories it's <laughs> a problem right and <laughs> then once you try that. to break that expectation yeah. you lose followers or people are not interested yeah. and whatever whereas if you're just like look i do a range of these different things this is who i am then the people who rock with you will rock with you i love it i love it i love it so that was a pre-conversation, in case you guys were wondering. <laughs> <laughs> that was a pre-conversation. I was trying to have it off camera, but Zuby said, we got to have it on the podcast. So we're having <laughs> it on the podcast. So what I wanted to talk to you about is I wanted to do a analysis 
on the state of humanity. Mm. And to me, one of one of the goals I've I've recently had an epiphany recently of a lot of things. I'm like I'm constantly thinking about like seven thousand different ideas and topics. Is why I'm always so freaking <laughs> crazy with my brain. Sometimes it's even hard to even communicate in English because like I'm speaking like a new language in my head yeah. of just all these different ideas and trying to solve these different problems. And so what I've learned is that if you want to make money, make money talking about a problem. Mm-hmm. Money isn't in solution. Money is in talking about a problem. So for example. If you want to make money, go talk about, let's say there is um, an income inequality gap between two groups of people. Mm-hmm. Instead of talking about solutions to rid of the income inequality gap, mm-hmm. you make money by simply talking about the problem itself. Okay. So a lot of, so I've learned that people, especially people who love negativity, they want to hear simply talking about problems. Mm-hmm. I, I'm moving forward. I'm like, I want to create a world of solutions. Mm-hmm. So what I want to do is I want to figure out from your personal opinion, what we talk about today, three of the biggest issues plaguing society. And then I want us t- together to find three solutions to all, I mean, not, not to all, each individual issues, but a solution for each issue. So we have three solutions in total. So okay, three major problems, <laughs> and we're going to have a solution for each of these problems. So, Zuby, in your opinion, in no particular order, mm-hmm. what would you go with the first thing is the biggest problem in society today? Familial breakdown. Woo. We're going, we're going there. I yeah. love it. Break it down to the people. What do you mean by that? So, I mean very high divorce rates, many children being born out of wedlock, children missing their fathers, either totally not being present or being very, very distant. Um, or in some cases, mothers being absent or being very distant. I'd even take this down to the breakdown of the wider family unit across multiple generations between siblings, so on and so forth. I think that the family unit, particularly in the modern Western world, has been seriously damaged over the last couple of decades and the fatherlessness problem in particular has, has been documented by a lot of people. If you're a facts and data and statistics guy, you can find plenty of facts and data and statistics about this. But I think a lot of the social issues that we face, whether you're talking about the UK or USA or many other countries, at the root of it, lots of that lies with the family and absence of parenting or poor parenting. So I would say that's a fundamental, if I were to think of the number one issue, I believe, is actually plaguing the modern Western world. That would probably be the number one for me. How did we get there? (sighs) Multiple reasons. Um, Perverse incentives created by the government in some situations. For example, if you wanted to talk about certain populations within the USA, uh, certain welfare policies, which essentially incentivized single motherhood incentivized women to have kids out of wedlock and for a father to not be present in order for the to keep certain these paychecks coming uh that is certainly a factor if you want to talk about government problems some of those even date back earlier than that um there are economic factors it is it's become far more expensive in real terms to get married and to 
have a family mm. and to raise children and to take care of children and to feed them, et cetera. So I think economic and financial aspects are a key part of it. I think if we were to go back to, you know, just a few decades ago, you were a man was able to support a family of four or five people without needing to be a mega investment banker or mm -hmm. super successful entrepreneur, et cetera. That was the norm. Um, there are elements of feminism that have done this as well in multiple reasons from the economic impact of having, you know, people don't like to talk about this, but it's, it's a real thing, you know, having hundreds of millions more women in the workplace. That's also led to suppression of wages so that now, even if people wanted to just have a single income, it's become a lot harder because wages have been flatlined for several decades. And so now there's a necessity almost in many cases for both parents to be doing paid labor. Um, there are social factors in terms of the cultural breakdown and the loosening of certain things, concepts like no-fault no divorce. That's another one you can blame on the government. But things that are more social, right? The notion of you know, sex has just become a, a commodity, mm -hmm. right? And some people, some people will say, hey, that's fine. Some people will say, no, that's bad. Regardless of your opinion on it, there's no question that also, that also has caused, you know, it's reduced marriage rates and certainly delayed them. People mm -hmm. getting married much later and having children much later than, than they used to. If we were to go back not so long ago, you know, guys like myself and yourself, we would be married with multiple children. Mm -hmm. Even for people who are conscious of some of these things, it, it, it still affects you. There are a lot of children also in our generation, uh, you know, we're both blessed to have come from solid, stable families, but there are hundreds of millions of young people in our generation and younger who are children of divorced parents mm -hmm. or, you know, fathers who were not there or people who are abusive, et cetera. And that also creates a perception around marriage and family. It makes the whole concept less far less appealing, yeah. far less appealing. Religious breakdown is also yeah. linked to it. As we were talking about a couple days ago, if you are not religious and say you don't want children, what's the, marriage isn't a great, you know, why, why, why would you get yeah. married, right? It's not, a, it's not a great sell, whereas in the past, it was a much easier sell, both to men and to women. Mm -hmm. So that's just a couple of factors, but yeah. all of these things together compounded, plus a whole bunch of other things I'm sure I haven't mentioned, yeah. that's, all, that's all part of it. That's mm -hmm. all part of it. And I think there's also just been a, in terms of changes in the culture, there's been this focus away from personal responsibility. Personal responsibility is not looked at in the way it used to be looked at in the past. Everything is the fault of the system or other people. Every the fingers are pointing everywhere else apart from at themselves. And yeah, people aren't taking personal responsibility. That that leads to you got men having all these different baby mamas, women having different baby fathers, mm -hmm. and that's also been destigmatized to the point where to some people that's just normal. Some people would be, will be mad at me for even mm -hmm. acknowledging that. Right. Yeah. Then they'll be, and, and all of that stuff has an effect and ultimately it impacts children. Children tend to model what they see, not just in their parents, but in their community around them. So if the norm in a community is to uh, go, go to university and get a job or start a business and get married and have a family, if that's the norm and that's what's encouraged and that's even what's considered cool, 
that's what the majority of people who are in that community are going to continue to do for generations and generations. If what is the norm and what is accepted and what is even considered cool is dropping out of school or being in a gang or um, and or banging a bunch of women and having kids out of wedlock, then that's what young people are also going to model in many instances. And so absolutely, it comes down to personal responsibility. But I recognize as well, that of course, there are yeah. external factors which affect the choices that people make. No, that's that's excellent. You know, I mean, there's so many layers to that conversation. Mm. I feel like if I'm, if I'm not careful, that would be the whole podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but to me, I think the biggest problem with postmodernism is the theory in which we criticize everything. Mm -hmm. So somebody once shared to me, I think Nietzsche was Nietzsche, the one who said God was dead. Yes. And he said, because we've got, Nietzsche said God was dead because we as humans have found solutions outside of God. Mm -hmm. And what happens I've noticed is that what modernism and enlightenment did, it asked us why, why this, why that? We got curious as a society. And to me, it's so remarkable because the why and the curiosity of modernism led to so much human innovation. Mm. But the why, what we're seeing now in postmodernism, has gotten out of hand. Mm -hmm. Why do you need men? Why do you need women? Mm -hmm. Why do you need gender? Mm. Why do you need marriage? Why do you need this? So the why keeps on going, right? And and now it, it's now a question of, it's like driving a car, like, why do we need circular wheels? Why can't we do triangular wheels? Mm, mm. You know? Why do, why, do, why, do we, why do you need windshield wipers? It's just weighing the car down. Why do mm -hmm. you need that? Until you test that out, and you realize, oh, this modification that you thought was a new innovation was the very reason why thousands of years ago they created this old innovation. Mm -hmm. What I've seen happen, like you said, is these experiment in the West where they're like, why does a man need to be in a home? Why do people need to be married? Mm -hmm. Why do we have to? Why does sex need to be something we take seriously? Mm -hmm. And all these, like you said, all these theories led to the breakdown and to what we have today. Mm -hmm. And it's something where I remember I was reading an article from this from this major publication in Chicago. And they were actually critiquing one of Obama's principles of... Um, of of uh, brother his brother's keepers initiative and about his I think he, Obama shared about the importance of fathers being in the home mm. and um, they were critiquing that and I you know I'm a <laughs> fire guy so I can get off sometimes <laughs> I exploded reading this article because mm. they were just like children don't need their parents mm. they don't need fathers they don't no they say parents they don't need fathers yeah. if they have a responsible role model in their life. That's all that matters. Mm -hmm. And so we, we see all these social breakdowns. And then we, for those who are practitioners in society, we see it happening. Mm -hmm. 
And so what I want to do before we get, go into solutions is, is I want to do something where it's so easy to simply view the opposition as this evil mad scientist bent to destroy the world. <laughs> but one of the things I want to do is I want to, as rationally as possible, create somewhat of a justification for why do why does society believe this is the way it is to better create a solution. Mm-hmm. So for the people who don't believe that the the family unit, as you would describe it, mother and father raising their children is leading to the breakdown of society or is not that big of a deal, mm-hmm. what would you think, in your opinion, thinking critically, is justification or could, is there reasonable justification mm-hmm. why it's not that big of a deal? I think there are multiple, like with many things, man, there's a lot of factors here. Yeah. So... First of all, a lot of the people who espouse certain ideas, they espouse them because they themselves can't afford to. This is what people have referred to as luxury beliefs. Mm. Okay? I love where you're going. All right. So some intellectual who's sitting there in, I don't know, Portland or San Francisco, Mm -hmm. who's there espousing that children don't need fathers, um, you know, we should have open borders, uh, you know, homelessness. We, we should just let people set up tents wherever they want mm-hmm. in the city, defund the police or abolish the police, etc. These are luxury beliefs mm-hmm. because people who are at that level are not affected by them. Mm-hmm. So it's easy to be for it's easy to be for open borders and to win virtue signaling points off of that. If it has no impact on you, you're, you're not going to lose your job yeah. to someone coming over the border and uh you know suppressing your wages you're not you and many of the people who do this it, by the way it's important to understand that most of them will be married and will have children mm-hmm. and will live in a gated community yeah. with a wall around them and may even have armed security etc mm-hmm. so it's easy for them to say all of this because it gives them some social credit in their weird little social world and they don't feel and are not hurt by the downstream impacts of the nonsense that they're promoting, mm. right? This is what Sam, same with what people call champagne socialism, mm. right? Where you get these uber wealthy, decamillionaire, mm. sometimes billionaire people, celebrities who are there talking about how they're socialists, yeah. right? Oh, we support socialism. Things should be more equal. What it's like, bro? You you you'll support that until it affects you, yeah. Until it hurts you, right? Because you you win points off of it. Mm-hmm. You win points. You get claps. You get accolades, etc. So a lot of these people espousing the, these beliefs, I, I sort of call their bluff on it mm. because they don't truly believe it. If you want to know what someone truly believes, look at their actions. Yeah. Look at how they're living their life. Oh, that okay, that person is married and they run a successful business and they have children and they have walls and protection around their community, et cetera. But they're out there in public talking about how all these things are bad or not necessary or whatever. I don't take that person. Yeah. I can't take that person seriously because they don't truly believe in what they're saying they're just trying to win those social points so i think that's a big i think that's a big factor also with some of these ideas you don't see the impact for decades Mm -hmm. right you can you could bring in a policy okay like a great example right over the past 18 months we've been there's been this whole pandemic situation a lot of rules and regulations and laws and changes some very very drastic millions of people were made unemployed Tons of businesses shut down permanently, all sorts of income, trillions of dollars printed, etc. I can predict some of it, but 
we will not know the full magnitude of the fallout of all yeah. of these policies until a decade plus down the line. Just like we're still feeling some of the impact from the 2008 mm-hmm. financial crash, you're not going to see inflation creeps up. Mm-hmm. Right? Inflation's already happening, but it creeps up. It's like, what's a, what's a dollar going to be worth in 2040 mm-hmm. as a result of all this trillions of excess printing and blowing up of the budget? What's going to be the impact of... All these kids now, you're seeing what's going on with the kids in the schools yeah. with all, you know, these masks and social distancing, take him out of school for such a long period of time. How's that going to impact them yeah. when they grow up? Mm-hmm. Is that is that going to have long term ramifications on their ability to socialize and just to be normal? Are they going to are we creating a generation of hypochondriacs? What's the effect on their immune system? Mm-hmm. How do you build up your immune system? You you go out and about and you interact and you face pathogens and your body gets stronger. Mm-hmm. I would actually predict that it's highly likely that in this next winter, in this next flu season, far more people are going to be getting sick than usual because they've been living wrapped in cotton wool. They've been, their bodies haven't been exposed to the typical pathogens. So when they go back out there, especially children, you know, I can't guarantee, but there's a, I believe there's a high probability mm-hmm. that there's going to be an uptick and all these other diseases, et cetera, because so many people think short term. Yeah. They're not thinking, okay, long term, what are the ramifications of this? If I create a welfare policy in the 1960s or the 1970s, which says that single women are entitled to certain money from the government, mm-hmm. provided there's no man in the house, mm-hmm. what's the, what, what does that mean in 2020? Mm-hmm. What does that mean in 20, right? So at the time, giving people the benefit of the doubt, let, let's, yeah. let's give them the benefit of the doubt and say they genuinely thought they were doing a good thing. Yeah. They weren't thinking, hmm, what are the second, third, fourth, fifth order consequences yeah. of this decision or of this policy? And so, and, and the people who make the policy, I mean, I don't, I don't even know who they are, right? Yeah. They might not even be alive anymore. So they don't have to face those repercussions. So I think that's why a lot of that happens. It's why people can afford to float around some of these certain ideas and not see the consequences, right? All the stuff they're doing now with gender, all this gender stuff of trying to make things genderless or whatever level you want to go at. Some of it was predictable. Years ago, I said, what's going to happen? I said this many years ago. I said, okay, look at what they're doing here. The logical conclusion is you're going to just have men saying that they're women and they're going to start going into women's changing rooms, women's sports, women's prisons even, mm-hmm. so on and so forth. Look what's happening now. It's yeah. actually happening. You're, I, I, I'm the British women's deadlift record holder and bench mm-hmm. press record holder. Yeah. Right? I just said, hey, I'm a woman. And based on the rules that have been set up now, I can be a woman. And anyone who challenges me is a transphobic bigot. Yeah. And you, you've seen situations, I don't know if you saw, with these spas and things where you're, you're getting guys just going into the sauna butt naked and there's like little girls in there or whatever yeah. and they're saying oh yeah i'm a woman yeah. and the company you know people are complaining to the yeah. managers and the managers are like oh well we can't do anything because that's yeah. the you know the gender policy so people aren't thinking further down the line what does this mean right someone can float out this idea oh you know i think gender is merely a social yeah, yeah. construct and it's disconnected from sex and we should be able to identify as whatever we have and that should be respected and you can pick your pronouns and you can do this and you can do that and tons of people buy into it what are the long-term consequences of that that that, that makes sense i think i think to me there's um there's a thing where i truly believe that there is no perfect system. No. And every system is going to benefit 
some and put some at a disadvantage. This is the nature, the nature of any system, right? Mm. Um, so, like, for example, for capitalism, those who work hard benefit from it. Those who are lazy have a disadvantage from it. Good. Socialism. Those who are lazy benefit from it. Mm-hmm. Those who are working hard have a disadvantage from it. And so what I, what I see is that, like you said, what has gone on is that there's been a lot of things that has occurred in society between men and women. So a lot of it good, a lot of it good, mm-hmm. and also there's things that are bad. Mm-hmm. And in order to make these changes, now the extreme version of it, right, has now caused a chain reaction and has now caused these consequences that have long-term ramifications that people aren't prepared for. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the things I personally think. I don't think everyone is as malicious as everyone would think, but I do believe that a lot of people see a small issue and then what they do, like, for example, like, oh, the cars are too heavy. Mm-hmm. So because the cars are too heavy, let's remove the windshield wipers. <laughs> In theory, it's like, yes, removing windshield wiper will make the car less heavy. Mm-hmm. But also, when it comes to when it's raining, it's going to lead to the car crashing and people dying. And so, mm-hmm. I think there's a law, like you said, unintended consequences yep. that we're seeing play out today. So, to solutions. If we're saying that the problem is the breakdown of this family unit that, especially for children and their development, mm-hmm. what is the solution to curtail this breakdown? This is complicated, man. Yeah. I'm not going to pretend that this is an and real easy quick, solution. For those, for those who, this is probably going to be an hour and a half, two hour conversation on extremely complicated issues. We are just simply having a conversation. Obviously, if for us to have a plan of a million <laughs> tangible solutions, this will be a 10 year conversation. But I just want people to know we're just simply trying to start conversations so that maybe you guys can continue them. So. We're not giving you the case cut, mm. case by case, perfect solution because you can't do that in a two-hour conversation. So I want to make that clear, no. so you don't feel that pressure. No, no, yeah. no doubt, man. Um, so I'm gonna simply think out loud because that's how I converse. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna look at this and I'm gonna look at a three-pronged solution, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna look at the personal aspect, societal slash cultural aspect and the political or government okay. aspect, okay? So I'll do, those, I'll do those in reverse. So from a political or governmental aspect, I think there are certain policies, as, as we discussed, which have helped to lead to the breakdown of the family. And I don't think that marriage and having children is not well incentivized mm-hmm. in the modern Western world, whether that is incentive whether that's intentional Mm -hmm. or unintentional i'm not going to ascribe the motive but i think the incentive structure for people to get married and have children rather than to just have kids out of wedlock or you know maybe perhaps simply cohabit or just stay single for whatever perhaps there could be incentives i know that there are there are countries you know there's places like hungary and i think perhaps poland where they have pro-natalist policies you can get you know tax breaks for having more children, mm-hmm. right? So, because they've got declining populations, they want they need more families. They need more people having children. So, there could be incentives such as that, such as as tax breaks. 
Um, there could be schemes to make it easier for people to buy and own property um, or to build property. There could be perhaps even entrepreneurial entrepreneurial schemes that could be done at perhaps a state or government level. I'm not a big, you know, government state guy, but if you're going to use that, mm -hmm. then these are a few ideas. Um, I'm thinking, I'm trying to reverse engineer here and I'm thinking of the things that lead to the breakdown. I mean, uh, sure. I mean, coming from a, a whole different angle, not a subject I talk about a lot, but I know say in the USA, for example, we have a lot of people who are a lot of men who are incarcerated for nonviolent crimes and things that are frankly quite stupid. Mm -hmm. um, some of those are people who have been taken away from their families, etc. Perhaps there could be, I'm not talking about violent crimes, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Perhaps there could be some change in policy there or some, perhaps some amnesty yeah. for people who are, I don't know, serving a 20 year sentence for yeah. selling weed when they were 18. Yeah. Um, which has now been legalized in certain states mm -hmm. and they're still sitting there in prison, yeah. you know, that, that those kind of situations. So I think there, there are some state and government policies, which you'd have to be, again, you'd have to be very yeah. careful yeah. and really think about potential second, third, fourth order, order consequences. So for the sake things. of today's conversation, because I feel mm. like if we get too deep into the governmental one, oh, yeah. there's a we'll, whole we'll different go, yeah. weeds. Oh, so here's, an, here's another one uh, okay. while it's on my head. Um, make it cheaper and easier for people to adopt. Okay. Right? It's, yeah. it's far too arduous. for. There's a lot of people who want to adopt, and it's it's extraordinarily difficult. So I think adoption yeah. should be much easier and more encouraged. Yeah. So let's let's – I want to focus on societal mm -hmm. and personal. Okay. For when we moving forward, because sure. I feel like the the government policies one that one is when you just get oh yeah you know, crazy you know <laughs> and so and so to me let's focus on the, the societal things and then mm -hmm. the personal things individuals can yeah do. sure I'm I'm not a big government guy anyway yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. societal mm -hmm. similarly but not through the use of any force of state it also needs to be it needs to be incentivized there has to be an incentive for a clear incentive for people to have families and for and for families to stay together. Oh, I, one government one I have to bring in because it's so important, like the whole like no fault divorce mm -hmm. and like the way men are treated in divorce court and yeah, all, yeah, all, all that yeah, stuff yeah, yeah. that needs to be revamped yeah. um, on a societal level. There also need to be there also need to be clear incentives, right? It shouldn't be men and women are looking at the concept of marriage and children and whatever, and it, it freaks them out far mm. more than it appeals to them. Yeah. It needs to be, this, this might sound weird, but it needs to be, it needs to be made cool yeah. or it needs to be made cool again, right? It needs to be considered cool. So just like you can have a toxic culture or an environment where the guy who has five kids from five different women is looked at as cool, yeah. right? I don't know how you shift society and culture this way. I don't think it's a quick one generation yeah. thing, but that can't be cool, yeah. right? That should be stigmatized. Yeah. That should be shamed. We live in a culture where people shame things that are righteous. Yeah. Right. And praise things. That and are... people praise things that are degenerate. Yeah. And that has to change. You see this in rap music. Yeah. Right. You see this in rap music. If you've got a rapper who's talking about positivity and good stuff and they're wholesome, yeah. they're not going to get the same shine in many cases as the guy who's talking about popping bottles and popping Molly and, you know, yeah. banging chicks, whatever. Mm -hmm. So what is cool? Because because that really impacts the younger generation. Yeah. Young kids always want to em emulate what they think is cool. Yeah. So it needs to be cool to aspire towards that. So, yeah, that's. That's a factor. Let, let me let me let's let, let, mm. let's stay let's stay on that one because I feel okay. like that one's extremely important. Okay, I think what happens for a lot of individuals is 
that because honestly that to me was what shaped me the most mm. um i always mention the people all the time was obviously my parents but when i was a young early 20s at my church like almost all the young guys were married there okay and so it was kind of like the thing where the culture was like this is good this is positive this is great this has helped me so it's kind of like where the culture is was built when i was in that um, environment to really incentivize that behavior mm. and i think that's something where that's been one of my goals especially with the roommates mm. especially for young men mm-hmm. because i think like you said there there is a culture where like being with a woman and being married is like especially on the internet with all the mm-hmm. crazies mm-hmm. it's like stupid mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's like Let's just talk with men. Yep. We won't get into the misindependence stuff. You know yep. what I mean? But like, there's a culture where it's like, you marry a woman, you're dumb. Mm-hmm. Where, like you said, we have to find ways in a positive manner to change the narrative. Yes. To make it seem as though, which is true, that you being married, having a family is actually smart. Mm-hmm. And it's good. And it's the best, mm. best and, route for men. And, and this is interconnected with the governmental aspects because the reason why a lot of those people young men especially are saying oh that's dumb is because they're seeing guys who you know they get married or a divorce happens and that guy gets ruined yeah he loses his kids he loses all his money what etc the the state and the government is is in the in the sense that it is involved in marriage i don't believe it's involved in a good way i think it should either get out the way totally and the government should not be involved in marriage or alternatively if they're going to be involved they should be involved in a way that is 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 positive yeah. and isn't creating these cuz 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 it's a reasonable fear and concern if you're a young man who is successful or is aspiring to be successful of course no you don't get into a marriage like okay I'm going to get married cuz cuz it also creates the in, a poor incentive for women yeah right there has to be an incentive not just for people to get married but for people to stay together yeah right an incentive for people to stay together if you can have these situations where a woman marries a very a wealthy man or a man who becomes wealthy and then she just gets bored and decides to take him for all he's got and people are like yeah you go girl you you get yeah, that money whatever yeah. that shouldn't be an, that shouldn't be an option no right? I that agree that, with that you. shouldn't be that shouldn't be an option get rid of alimony yeah. that's one thing like that that shouldn't be a thing so and that and cuz that leads into why these men you have to think why are those young men saying oh that's stupid yeah. for that guy to do that so those other barriers need to be need to be discussed and then um go ahead what I, what I noticed also about the community part is also the the messages of negativity. Yes. Because I think what happens in a society is that what's interesting about the media mm. is the media talks a lot about showing culture or showing society. Mm. But in actuality, it shapes more than it shows. Yes. So, for example, I'm just giving an example. Like, and now we're just getting into the weed of things. But let's, let's just, let's just use this for example. Let's use like same sex attraction, right? Mm-hmm. With same sex attraction in media, mm-hmm. they talk about it like we're just showing it. Mm-hmm. To me, you're shaping it. Yes. Uh, and, and, and the reason why you're shaping it is because I look at, I was watching this one TV show and I looked at all the main characters of the show. And I was like, there's more same, there's like, I think like 20% of the characters were like, had same-sex attraction. Mm. 
And I was like, that's not a representation of society. No. Where, depending on if you live, listen to liberal or conservative estimates, anywhere between 1% and 5%. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, but you're, but, but by you showing society for the way you want it to be, mm-hmm. you're shaping it. Mm-hmm. So to me, that's a whole different conversation. I don't want to yeah, get there. Yeah. <laughs> but to me, when it comes to the marriage stuff, so much of society shows the worst case scenario. Yep. And, I, and I've told people this all the time. Or going back to the internet, negativity sells. So many channels, so many websites, so many um, blogs and places like that, all they show is a worst case scenario. Mm-hmm. All they show is the dude getting his wife wife taking all his money or mm-hmm. taking his kid and moving to Kansas. Mm-hmm. Like it's all you see. Infidelity. Infidelity. Domestic cheating, violence. And so they're not showing both and saying this can happen, but this is also what happens. Yeah. And so I think Wes, that has shaped the modern psyche to believe that's the norm. Because mm-hmm. I was tell, I tell people all the time, like, what's fascinating is that divorce rates go down the more money you make. Yes. You guys can look it up right now. Yeah, significantly. And so when people think the normal occurrence is you get money and she's going to take you for your money, mm-hmm. it's more likely if you have no money. Yep. She's going to leave yep. versus you getting money. And she and so there's so much of negative media mm-hmm. for men and for women. Because like I said, we can get into all the women's stuff. Oh, yeah. You know? And um, so much negative media for men and for women, which shapes the psyche that makes people not want to be interested in it as well. Absolutely, man. And that leads well into the personal aspect of mm-hmm. it. Because something that's really interesting is with statistics that are based largely on people's individual behavior and choices right so there are statistics which are just it's like it's just that's just that's just how it is human beings don't influence it Mm -hmm. right it's just okay that's just the statistic but then there are things which are based actually on a large collective of individual choices behaviors and decisions and that should always be considered so for example if you look at the raw divorce rate in the usa it might be, I believe it's somewhere around 40%. Yeah. Okay. But people aren't thinking of like, okay, what does that 40% fall into, mm-hmm. right? Because general statistics are not particularly useful. Are, they are not always useful on an individual level. That's really good. Right? So you don't, you're, you're a very ambitious person. Mm-hmm. You don't care what the average salary is. Yeah. You don't care. It's not, it's not relevant mm-hmm. to you. Because you're not striving for that. So a lot of people get married, both men and women, like they don't, they get married for stupid reasons Mm -hmm. or they don't think about it properly or they make terrible decisions, right? They'll just, oh, she's, she's just hot, right? She has a terrible character. Mm -hmm. You don't share values. Um, You know, you've had massive arguments. Maybe one of you's cheated on each other before, but then, then you still decide to, to get married. Yeah. Right. That's falling into that 40 percent. Right. That, that, that's not going to work out well. So actually, what's what's the divorce rate for people who take the proper steps yeah. and precautions and who and who have a mindset of, OK, we really want to make this work. I'd imagine it's under five percent. Yeah. Right. For people who really like have considered it, considered all the aspects. And so that 40 percent is largely due to people's poor individual decisions yeah i understand look someone can marry someone and they can change and they can go off the rails whether it's the man or the woman and it's hard to kind of fault that person because at the time it really seemed like they were making the right decision and something just went wrong and that's very very unfortunate and as i said they shouldn't be 
punished for that. Mm -hmm. Um, but with that, with that 40%, like I said, so much of it, like, I'm like, that doesn't apply to me. I'm not, I'm not the probability of me getting divorced isn't 40%. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's not because I'm not like the average person who's the fact we're even having this conversation and considering this stuff in our head already shows we're going far beyond what a lot of people do. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I think people shouldn't allow themselves to be fearful based off of that kind of raw number, because if you are even thinking about that and listening to that, it's likely that you're not, you're, you're, you're just not in that, in that percentage. And so when it comes to the the personal aspects, I've already touched on things people should do. Number one, people should really consider it. I believe the person you, you marry is the most important decision. It's the one most important decision you make in your life, mm-hmm. right? If you're going to marry someone, start a family with them, have children, be with them for decades mm-hmm. until the day you die. That's what it's supposed to be. That is the commitment. Then that's the literally the most important decision you make. We make a lot of important decisions in life from career, personal stuff. That's the most important decision. And it, sh- it should be treated as such. Yeah. That doesn't mean, you know, totally be terrified of it and, and never make that decision. But it should really, really be considered and you, the, the, you know, what it, what it really means. The person, if you're with someone and you're considering marrying them, whether you're a man, a woman, both, yeah. you should really, you should be having these conversations with each other, making sure you are aligned mm-hmm. on values, making sure that you, you can, you know, you, you don't want to be arguing all the time, but when you do argue, you're arguing in a healthy, productive way. You're yeah. not flinging personal yeah, insults at each other and holding horrible grudges. You can yeah. communicate well. You're not hiding huge things from each other. You don't, you can talk about various issues without blowing up. Mm-hmm. Um, you have the right idea. I mean, people, there's people who get married and after they're married, they learn that their spouse doesn't want children. Yeah. How does that happen? Right? Like, like how, come on, bro. Like, like how, 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 like you didn't have that conversation. You didn't like that. that right. So that, that yeah. shows how little some people consider it or they, they don't even know the, I've heard these stories of, uh, oh, you know, most more from women, you know, they married this guy. And then, oh, like I'm a liberal. And it turned out like he's actually he's actually a conservative. I don't really like we don't really like we this is causing a lot of I was like, how did you not know? Uh, How do you not? How can you marry someone and you don't even know their views on fairly basic things? Right. Of course, you're going to get to know each other better as time goes on. But, you know, do that, like, you know, vetting, like what people call call vetting, you know, yeah. um, and just making that commitment of like, OK, like I'm in this. I'm in this through through. think of what the marriage vows mean. Yeah. Every time I go to a wedding and I listen to what they're saying, I'm like, whoa, this is heavy. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. this is a big commitment. Yeah. Right. Like but but take that seriously for richer, for poorer, yeah. in sickness and in health, all the ups and downs. Anyone who's who's been married a long time is going to tell you it's not all, you know, it's a great thing, but it's not always uh, rosy and easy. So, yeah, go into it with this in mind and understand, hey, this this is going to be it's going to be beautiful, but it's going to be difficult at times. But you know what? We're going to do this together. We're going to stick through it. You know, anything goes wrong. We're going to talk about it. Yeah. We're going to have our support system around. Support system is important as well. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to have our support system around and we're going to make this happen. And I think if people go into it that way. Yeah. then a lot of this stuff is alleviated. No, I agree with you 100%. I think the personal responsibility can can solve, especially with the family breakdown, can solve so much. Yes. Because, you know, like I said, I love data, I love statistics, I love stuff like that. And, and, I, and I really understand just how, like you said, how subjective data really is mm-hmm. when you add a myriad of variables. 
You know, so you can say, well, the average earner of Amer- of American is, you know, $40,000 a year. Mm-hmm. But then you say average earner of an Asian American. Now they can go up to 80000 75000 plus. Mm-hmm. And so the the data has to be, because I feel like a lot of guys are afraid of the data. Even even you sharing the the, the, the divorce rate is, is roughly about 50. Mm-hmm. For, sorry, 40. Yeah. Most people don't realize it hasn't been 50 since the 70s. Mm-hmm. In the 70s, it was 50 because of no-fault divorce and mm-hmm. what happens with new technology and things like that. But it has, it's been decreasing. decreasing. Everybody who, know, who knows the data knows it's been decreasing since mm-hmm. the 70s and so on. So I really believe that each individual taking it seriously – and like you said, vetting properly can alleviate so much. Most of my content isn't so much like if I do any of women content, it's not about how to get girls. How to, most mm. of it is don't choose the wrong person. Yeah, and don't surround yourself with of, of liabilities and, and not with assets. Because I like you similar to what you said. Most of my friends who either are divorced now or are in unhealthy relationships, everybody knew yes. and everybody knows. Yes. And people don't remember that guy was who was on it, who was like, "I'm divorced. Let me tell my story." Mm-hmm. I guarantee he won't tell us the truth about his story, mm-hmm. about how there was clear red flag things like that. So I don't want to spend too much time on the first album that we have. <laughs> um, but I really love. I just think the personal responsibility of each individual to first rid yourself of negativity of, of failures of the past, whether it's your families, of society, of whatever it may be, and to surround yourself and choose healthy, loving, supportive, good quality people, mm-hmm. and especially partners, and and to work together to build that family. I believe just by doing that alone, mm-hmm. removing the negativity, um, making sure you're a healthy person yeah. and choosing other healthy people, that alone, literally, we're, we'll have so much of a better society. Absolutely. Family breakdown number one, what's number two? <sighs> number two. Um... I think a big problem is increasing polarization. Okay. I think increasing polarization, particularly on a sociopolitical level, is a problem. And I think it's an increasing problem and I think it's a genuine it's a genuine threat. Okay. And I think it's a genuine threat that's largely manufactured. How do I want to take this? Okay, so Break down for those who understand what you mean by that before we jump into that one. Sure. So what I mean is the balkanization of society, right? The political differences. So if you're listening here in the USA, the gap between conservatives and liberals or the left and the right or Democrats and Republicans is increasing. Mm -hmm. It's been increasing for a couple of decades. Mm -hmm. And people are feeling whether whether or not it's real or fabricated or in people's brains there is a sense and a feeling that these two sides have less in common with each other or that it is as simple as two sides right i don't really like to use the terms the left and the right because i feel it plays into that mm-hmm. polarization of thinking everyone is either here or they're over there yeah. truth is most people are somewhere yeah. in the middle they have a range of views which go from liberal to conservative to you know authoritarian to uh, Mm -hmm. libertarian most people are far more nuanced than you want to give give them credit for i think a big problem by simply having two political parties is it creates an illusion that there's only two choices so people want to fit into you know that one or that one but when people feel that they don't have much in common 
with each other along any lines, political lines, religious lines, uh, racial lines, ethnicity lines. Human beings are tribal. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's a neutral trait. It can be one of the strongest things. We've been talking a lot about family, mm -hmm. right? Family is, is, a, is a tribe. Mm -hmm. Community is a tribe. Um, if you're part of a, of a church or a synagogue or a mosque, that, that's, that's a tribe. It's a community. And that level of tribalism is fine. But when you get this us versus them, in-group versus out-group, and there is a sense of having nothing in common or um, hating or at extreme, you know, disliking or even hating each other or wishing harm upon another group or any elements of bigotry, et cetera, that leads to the worst human behavior that's ever existed, mm -hmm. right? If you think of all of the worst things that have ever happened in human history, yeah. it's a result of, I guess, what you could call toxic tribalism. Us Tribal versus them. Yeah, toxic tribalism gone too far along all these different lines yeah. I've said, political, religious, racial, etc. So we in the modern West need to understand that we are the same as our ancestors. Mm -hmm. All that we have in advantage to them is we have more stuff mm -hmm. and we're able to look back at their wins and their losses and their uh, triumphs and their mistakes. Mm -hmm. So we can learn off the back, but we, we, we're running the exact same hardware. We're the same people. We have the same feelings, same emotions, same problems, so on and so forth for the most part. So we need to be careful and we need to understand that we can still, every bad thing that's happened in history yeah. can happen again. Yeah. I hate saying that, but it's so important for people to understand that, that every bad thing that's happened in history from enslavement to genocide to all types of pillaging and raping and murdering and eugenics, whatever stuff that's mm -hmm. happened in the past, it is entirely possible for it to happen again. We, this is not our final stage in 2021. So we need to always be, be cautious of that, right? Civil war is possible again. Mm -hmm. The USA has had a civil war before. Yeah. Many countries have had civil wars. Nigeria had a civil war. Yeah. It's not impossible that the USA could have a civil war or the UK could have a civil war or Germany could have a civil war. Yeah. Of course it's possible. And we need to be vigilant. It's important to know that because it keeps you vigilant because mm -hmm. you want to make sure, oh, actually, you know what, guys, like we're, we're, we're going towards this cliff. Yeah. Let's pull back. You know what? Actually, let's not. People, people will have different views and we can have debates and it might even get heated sometimes. But you know what? We draw the line of violence, okay. right? Let's not be out at the street. When, when you see people out in the street, remember last summer and you're seeing bur burning yeah. buildings and people fighting, people getting shot, stabbed, hurt. Yeah. Guys, what are you, I'm looking at like, what, what, are, you, what are you guys doing? Yeah. What, are you, what are you doing, right? Yeah. Like, that's not, that's not the way. Sure, you can have disagreements, but once you start viewing other people, like I said, as a threat, as an enemy, the natural human and animalistic response to a threat or an enemy is to subdue or kill it. Okay. Right. So you don't ever want to find yourself in that dark place where you're seeing people who disagree with you yeah. or look differently from you or think differently from you. And you view them as a threat that needs to be gotten rid of because yeah. that's something we need to be really careful of. Yeah, no. And that and that leads into the, the solution to that. I think, you know, you're 100 percent right. And what I've noticed is that. Man, I really believe that there is an incentive structure to keep us divided like you talked about initially. Mm. And I blame everybody mm. because I one of the things, you know, I find the war that we find ourselves in the most is the war between men and women. Mm -hmm. 
And like I said, there is incentive structure. I know a lot of people who make their money benefiting off of men and women hating each other and men and women being and being angry with one another. Mm-hmm. They're making they're making riches doing it. And so what happens is that in order for them to not make their riches, they must stop benefiting off the incentive structure. Mm-hmm. So I've I've seen this and I'm telling you it's, it's both sides, right and left, where it's like all your videos are about making people angry. Yes. And I, and I want to name some people because these are some of our friends. Mm-hmm. I'm like, when can you do an hour, you know, uh, or a segment or something where you talk to a person who's a, 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 lib- a liberal and is actually nice and kind and friendly mm-hmm. versus every liberal you put on or just some crazy people or conservatives or crazy people. So I really believe first thing is that, you know, as a society – for people who are in the media, because the media is shaping this divide, you have a responsibility to shape the world. Mm. And part of the responsibility is you need to be civilized. Yes. I think something that people don't realize the most is like, like when a person like Candace or Ben come on the podcast, I can I could, you know, if I wanted to debate, I can debate. Mm. If I wanted to point out things that got your moments for them, I could have done that. Mm. But I realized we have to stop just simply arguing and hating one another. We need to be able to talk. Yep. And and when, even one of the reasons why Candace brought me back, because she actually reached out to me the second time, because mm-hmm. she was like, I received such a positive um, pers- um, response from your audience, from mm-hmm. people who were like, I thought this of you because of the media and this and that and the third, and, and now I was able to see you in a different light. I believe you guys have the responsibilities. Well, everyone has a responsibility for everybody. Yeah. If there's, like you said, when we demonize somebody, only thing to do to a demon is to simply eradicate it. Mm-hmm. You can't talk to demons. You can't bring a demon into your house. You can converse with a demon. You have to eradicate the demon. Yeah. So to me, we have to find a way to humanize those who are different from us. Obviously, if they're extremists, they're extremists, but mm-hmm. not, most people aren't extre- extremists. Mm-hmm. We have to find ways as... I would say even if people are extremists, they need to be brought back into the fold. 100%. That's why I'm so concerned about things like deplatforming and censorship. Because look, if you if someone is a bit beyond the pale, yeah. right? And then you're just like, you know what? Cast that person out. Nobody talk to them again. What? Who are the people they're going to go talk to? They're going to go talk to like the real Yeah. But I guess my question, right? to, to play devil's advocate, I guess sure. when I use extremists, I'm talking about the people okay. who don't want to listen. So okay, let's say there's okay. somebody who's a, a straight up, you know, left wing. I think that there should be no genders. And my job is to make sure and they're like, I'm not, I won't listen to you. I won't mm-hmm. listen. And there's such an extremist. You, you okay. at that point, it's like, I get you. You know, they, if they don't want to. If, they if they're not willing to converse, they're not willing to converse at you. all. You know, and so that's where when I use the word extremist, I'm talking mm-hmm. about the people who are just bent into like true nihilism you know but but to argue with that the problem with that is that so subjective Mm -hmm. you know that's so subjective it is and it's so easy for me to be like well that person's actually too far someone else said well they're not immediately haven't gone far enough yeah well look people can be de-radicalized yeah people can be de-radicalized and you certainly don't de-radicalize people by censor by entirely censoring them and ostracizing them to the point that the only people who will talk to them are people literally more extreme than they are. Yeah. Right. If you want to see an extraordinarily ex- extraordinary example of this, do you know who Daryl Davis is? Mm-mm. The guy who used to uh, 
who's befriended all those KKK members and got oh. them to like give up their hoods, et cetera, oh, yeah, 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 black American yeah, guy, yeah, he's a jazz about. musician. What a remarkable story, yeah. right? Like you don't get more extreme than freaking KKK white supremacist members. Yeah. This guy, instead of demonizing them, he's like, you know, I'm gonna befriend these people and I'm gonna show them like, yeah. you know, once they're, once they're friends with one black guy, yeah. their whole ideology is blown up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> their whole ideology is blown up. He, he got like a hundred plus people, I believe. To quit, to quit the clan. Yeah. Um, so even people who are literally that far, like it's pretty freaking hard to find people yeah. who are that extreme. But even that shows yeah. that it's not, it's not unreachable. Um, and yeah, so I, I think in terms of a, a solution with this, I, I like to consider it just just going up a level, yeah. or in some cases going up two levels, right? So we're all individuals. The ultimate minority is the individual, mm-hmm. right? So we all diverge there's infinite ways that you can break down humanity, right? People tend to focus on, okay, you know, obviously sex, male, female, Mm -hmm. right? And then some people would go to nationality, Mm -hmm. right? Or some people might go to race and say, okay, you've had like, you know, what we call, what we call black people, white people, um, you know, uh, Asian, Asian people, Arab people, um, Islander people, however you want to break that down. And then within that, okay, within black people, you have, uh, well, there's a lot of, You've got the whole continent of Africa. Yeah. We have Nigerians, we have Ghanaians, we have Ethiopians, we have this and that. And then within those countries, yeah. uh, Nigeria, okay, we have Yoruba people, we have Igbo people, we have, you know, uh, we have, uh, so however, and then within, that, so you, however dimension you want, we haven't even talked about the political aspect, yeah, yeah. the religious aspect, even within religions, you have different denominations, yeah, right? Yeah. You've got Christianity, you've got, you've got the, uh, you've got Baptists, you've got yeah. Mormons, you've got Protestants, you've got Catholics, you've got Orthodox. Yeah. And then within them they have, right? So you can fragment people down to, you can do it ad infinitum. Mm-hmm. But if you go up a level, you find what you have in common. Or if you go up multiple levels, you find even more things you have in common, Right? So let's take a situation, right? So um, even in the modern world, if you look at Islamic terrorism, Mm -hmm. who are the majority of people killed by Islamic terrorists? Other Muslims, Mm -hmm. right? You have the the Shia and the Sunni, Sunni, right? So there's that clash. If you look at somewhere like the Ireland, right? A couple decades ago when there was that mass fight going, you're you're talking about Protestants battling with with Catholics, right? You've got Irish Protestants killing Irish Catholics and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Go up a level, guys. What, what are you all? You're all Christians. Yeah. You're all Christians. Yeah. What are you bombing each other? You're bombing each other? Yeah. You're all Christians. Beyond, you're all Irish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah, like, yeah. right? Beyond that, you're all European. You're all human. And once you go up to the top, right, you're all human. Yeah. You're all human. Right? Left, right, liberal, conservative, Democrat, Republicans, those freaking libtards, those yeah. damn racist conservatives, yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever. Bro, if you're, you're all American. Yeah. You're all American. Yeah. Right? Beyond that, again, you're all human. You've yeah. got so many things that unite you so why are you focusing on the, the the most granular aspect of it and if you have conversations with people because we're, we're talking primarily about socio-political stuff here most people are reasonable mm-hmm. online online people are incentivized to be crazy and crazy voices are incentivized to become sort of more dominant right mm-hmm. it's if you spend a lot of time on twitter or TikTok, et cetera, you can create this illusion that there's far more 
crazy people yeah. than there are in reality because that's what tends to get amplified, go viral, etc. That's what gets the attention. But if you're in the real world, I mean, people say, oh, you know, liberals and conservatives don't, they're not getting on. It's like you're getting on every single day. Races yeah. are getting on every single day. Men and women are getting on every single day. How do I know? I go to any city and I walk around outside and I see, oh, are people just like fighting in the streets? Yeah, and yeah, it's, yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah. like, no, everyone's yeah. getting on. People aren't. It's like, hey, what's your religion? What, who did you vote for? Yeah. What do you, people are re reasonable. And if you talk to people, in many cases, the, difference are, the differences are, are pretty nuanced. Mm -hmm. And they're often more about the proposed solution. Yeah than the issue itself. Mm -hmm. Take something that got very fiery, especially last year. It's happened many times, the whole BLM movement, mm -hmm. okay? Are you aware of anybody who does not believe that black lives matter? Mm -mm. No, you don't, you're not aware of anyone. Anyone of any color, you don't know any person, liberal, conservative, whatever, who, who disagrees with the, the statement itself, right? Mm -hmm. do, do, do black people's lives matter? Yeah. Well, obviously, of course they yeah. do, right? Um, are you aware of anyone who thinks that there should be more police brutality or that the police should kill more mm -mm. unarmed innocent? No, no, yeah. nobody does. Right. So you actually all agree. Yeah. Everybody is in agreement. Yeah. Right. However, what, what, what's the result? Right. People are fuck, black lives matter. No, all lives matter. Yeah. How dare you say all lives matter? Yeah. I said black lives matter. Yeah. Oh, what you no, we wanted to, it's like, you actually all agree on the problem. Yeah. Now once, and once you realize that you can then talk solution, right? Yeah. Okay. All right, there's a, there's a, there's a there's an issue here. Maybe some people di disagree of how much the racial component is something versus how much is just poor police training, etc. But yeah. it's like okay, everyone could probably agree. Here's something everyone probably agrees with: um, the police in every city in the UK, sorry, in the UK or USA especially, should should um they should they should have more training, mm -hmm. and they should be better they should be better vetted to make sure you're getting good people and maybe they should repeat the training more frequently yeah. than they do. Right. I think everyone would, everyone would, would agree with that. Right. Yeah. I don't think many people would be like, no, we want the police to be, to be less trained yeah. and we want more psychopaths in the police. Right. So if you can find that common ground, which isn't hard, like I said, just by going up one level, then you, you can have these conversations and you can actually get to some solutions. Yeah. I, I think, you know, Here's where I'll push back a little bit on what you okay. just said. The challenge to me is on a governmental level mm -hmm. when it comes to money and solutions. So, for example, let's say the solution that you believe is, for the, using the BLM example, mm. more training for the police, mm -hmm. more vetting. Mm -hmm. How do we train them more? We have to make the training better. Mm -hmm. How do we make it better? We have to get better trainers. We have to get better this. We have to get a better program. How do we do all that? We have to pay for it. Mm -hmm. So there has to be more money given to these structures in order to now improve the police structure and the police uh, organization in order to make it better for the citizens. Mm -hmm. But then you have another group of people who simply believe, well, that money that you're using to improve the police Mm -hmm. should be using to give to the community mm -hmm. and by giving it to the community then all of a sudden the community can get better the community is mm -hmm. better than therefore you wouldn't you know, and so mm -hmm. what i what i've seen is so much of the arguments on a governmental basis is where the money goes and how you and how the society implements the solutions but what i truly believe is that what i love you said earlier about the individual is that one of the things i fight for is especially in the in the men's improvement space 
I'm not gonna lie. Almost everybody I have major disagreements with. Sure. Almost everybody. I just don't come and talk to you and disagree with you. Almost everybody. I'm like, bro, I have major disagreements with to you. Mm. But I like that you're trying to do something. Mm-hmm. And if you're trying to do something, I will respect it. And I will try to do something as well. Yes. I believe in society is that, like you said, a lot of us, a lot of the issues are just like these, like fighting over these tertiary solutions. And, and I really believe that if we can simply say, you know what, Zuby believes the solution is this, and he's providing resources or nonprofit organization to help. I believe the solutions are this. I'm providing resources and solutions to help. That that is one of the ways to move forward in society because we can acknowledge that though we're different, but we have a desire to help. But I think the fundamental problem is mm-hmm. that when it comes to the government, everybody believes that when it comes to power and taxpayer money, it's the fighting of how do we spend mm-hmm. those dollars and taxpayer money, which causes so much conflict between individual groups. Yeah, I agree. And it's a big part of why I'm largely libertarian. I don't think that the government is the best solution for very many things. Yeah, I don't think it's the best solution. I think it's a good solution for very few things, Mm. in fact. So that's where my own personal politics will will come into it. But I would also say by simply having this conversation. Yes. That is a key step. Like that's that's the first step. You, people can stop screaming at each other yeah, and this. stop calling each other racist and Nazis and white supremacists and this and that. Like in libtards. Once you once you chill out and you can do that, you can have the conversation, right? So, yeah. look, I have I have a level of humility with a lot of things, right? I don't know the solution. As we've said, like we're, yeah, we're talking course. big stuff. Yeah, yeah. I don't know the solution to things. Yeah. I'm, th- I'm thinking out loud. Mm-hmm. Someone else will be like, hmm, okay, I agree with that part, but I don't know about this part. I don't, cool. And you get a whole bunch of people together mm-hmm. and you have these conversations and you talk to each other as humans. Nobody is name calling. You're not screaming at each other. You're not calling each other epithets. And you all leave the room wiser mm-hmm. and closer to a solution, mm-hmm. right? Maybe the solution is, a combination of some of these things. The the two things you brought up in your example, those are not mutually exclusive, mm-hmm. right? It's not like, oh, okay, there's two things that the government can spend money on. Yeah. You're in the richest country in the world. Yeah, yeah, there are yeah. trillions and trillions. I mean, just look at what they're spending on. How much does like one one uh, like helicopter yeah, that they yeah, like, it's just like billions and trillions? Like, there's so much. Yeah. There's no. It's not an absence. It's not like, oh, okay, the U.S. government doesn't have enough money. Not enough tax revenue is coming yeah. in. Like. It's just badly being spent. It's being yeah. poorly spent. So there, it's it's not that you could you could train the police better and make intelligent investments in a community. They're not mutually exclusive. And, and to what you brought up, I think that is a fundamental s- solution to the device of nature: is that humans have to learn how to talk to each other. Again. Exactly. You ha- I remember you said a, a couple of days ago. You said one of the ways you measure someone's character is your ability to talk to people that you disagree with. Yeah. And so I, I truly believe that skill, mm-hmm. if we as hum, humanity, you don't got to, like I said, diversity of thought does not mean agreement of thought, mm-hmm. you know? Like, the idea is that be open to listen to those who, are, who disagree, disagree with or are different from you, but have the discernment to receive what you want to receive and reject what you want to reject. So mm-hmm. I, I truly believe that, as you describe, having that ability to sit down in a respectful manner mm-hmm. without the name calling, without without the, the yelling, the screaming, the emotionality, that skill would really transform society and 
and, and put to ease all the division and tension we're going mm. through today. Mm -hmm. So the last thing that you feel as though is the biggest problem in society. So if the first one was the breakdown of family, if the second one was the divisive nature of the culture, what would be the third major issue that's plaguing society today? Wow. I'm thinking of a few things that potentially could be. I think, hmm. I think a big problem is all right. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna switch it up. I was I was gonna go with something that's a little bit linked to what we talked about, but I'm gonna go a totally different angle. Okay, let's go. I'm gonna talk about health, mm. and I talk about health in general because phys physical and mental health are largely correlated, mm -hmm. and I think people should realize that. But I think that health is a big issue. People's both mental and physical health wow. is not in a great state. Obesity rises, obesity rates continue to climb. A lot of people are not healthy. The bodies that they are in are far less healthy than their grandparents' bodies or perhaps even their parents' bodies. Wow. And that's a huge problem actually in the West. It's something that we, everyone is cognizant of and is aware of, but we, we kind of gloss over it. Right. What the obesity level, I believe, is now over 40 percent, whilst I think the percentage of people who are overweight is about 70 percent plus. Mm -hmm. I mean, if that trend continues, you're not going to have anybody who's at a healthy weight within a couple of decades. Mm -hmm. And that has all sorts of downstream repercussions. This is not me simply talking about, you know, people looking aesthetic. It's not like just some purely superficial thing, but it, it, this has real consequences. I mean, again, you know, I'm, I'm glad we haven't talked too much about the whole pandemic situation on this podcast because I've talked about it a lot on other ones. But over the past 18 months, the countries that have been hit hard by this are countries with high obesity rates because this is a particular virus that is most likely to hospitalize and perhaps even kill people who are obese. We're talking, you know, 70 to 80 percent. Mm -hmm. And because of so-called political correctness, this is something that like you 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 can't you can't you can't talk about that right. Mm -hmm. But if you actually care about humanity and you care about human lives and you care about people's health holistically, it needs to be addressed. There's yeah. also rising depression, rising anxiety, rising suicide levels, so on and so forth. All of this stuff is a you want to talk about a crisis. There there is a health crisis, and there's been a health crisis for quite a while. So I think I'll make that the third one. You know what, Zuby. Uh, I it's crazy. I was actually working on a video about this. I don't know if this video is gonna come out before or after this podcast. And so on the on the episode of Un, Unfiltered, we were having a conversation, and the guy made a point where he said there's more women than men in today's world. Mm -hmm. and, and and he was talking about it like for the marriage conversation. One of the things I was saying was that in reality, the average person. What I was trying to say was the average person. In the, in the United States, male gets married like 29.8 and females like 27.1, something like that, or 26.8, something, something along those lines. Sure. So most people are getting married under 30. And the point that I was making was that, you know, in reality, there's, there's not more women than men under the age of 30. Mm -hmm. What happens is that from 30 onwards, that number goes from like, if it's 50.1 to 49.9 men to women, that number goes like this mm -hmm. as the years progress. 
And one of the things that I realized, I'm sorry, I'm, I sound like I'm rambling, but I'm bringing it full That's circle. Okay. But one of the things I realized as I was analyzing why, why does the number of women go up and men go down, men are dying. Mm-hmm. Well, I was looking up the different statistics about diseases and illnesses and things going on. Mm-hmm. The men are dying. Mm-hmm. And and so I want to do a video about like, yo, like men are dying. And a lot of reasons why men are dying is because men are not because of health. Mm-hmm. And it's also true for not just men, but women as well. Yeah. People are dying because mm-hmm. we're not taking care of our health. And you know the biggest killer of a young man, yeah? What age? Um, I think in the UK, I don't know statistically for the US, but I believe um, under 40 for the UK, for the whole range yeah. from 18 to 40. UK, suicide. Oh, America's homicide. Okay. Yeah. UK, it's suicide. Yeah. Which, again, we're talking the physical and the mental. That's, yeah. That's a huge elephant in the room. Like, people don't even know that statistically. Everyone should know that. Yeah. The biggest killer of men under 40 in the UK is them killing themselves. Yeah. Wow. That's deep. Yeah. Like, what is going on there? Like, can we have that conversation? Mm-hmm. Like, people don't even know that. Yeah. People would think, oh, you know, it's, uh, you know, heart disease or maybe cancer, possibly yeah. accidents or something. It's like, no, they're, they're killing themselves. Yeah. So what's that saying about, like, what's going on in society yeah. that is leading to that? Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't even, that, 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 again, that's a, that's a whole episode yeah. in yeah, itself, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Maybe there's some expert who could speak on that. But, um, yeah, but, but I didn't mean to interrupt, but carry on. Yeah, and so um, similar to what you said, when you were saying about the physical connecting with the emotional, I, it dawned on me, I was just like, bro, there is so much truth when it comes to that. Mm. There's so much truth. I think the problem with health is that we look at health like abs and arms and trapezoids, like that's men's health. No, it's not that. It's the internal body. Yes. And part of the body is the brain. Mm-hmm. And so to me, I really believe that's a big thing hurting us Yes, is that, you know, when you're not eating well, when you're not sleeping well, when you're not exercising well, you're, you're, how can your brain be in a good place? Mm-hmm. You probably are in a very dark place as well. Mm-hmm. And that's only leading to self-inflicted hate and, and, and self-inflicted harm on yourself. And then what do people do who hurt themselves? They hurt other people. Mm-hmm. And so no, I, I really believe you hit the nail on the head with that third one about the health because especially men mm. we don't take that serious enough mm. and i really believe that if you have people who are physically healthy and emotionally healthy like that's just it's, it, I, I think to me what what hurts me the most is the more you get older and you start you start to see how where people have become mm. This is, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of my friends are very youthful. Yep. Like you can just tell like they're still like 16 years old, like Zach. In <laughs> <laughs> all due respect, Zach. <laughs> but, you know, we're very youthful. But one thing that you see as people get older is they, they, they get obsessed with money. Mm. And they get obsessed with, even me, I find myself sometimes the prize of it can grip me. Yes. And what they do is that they, they value themselves on money, status, and power, but all their bodies and their health is mm, deteriorating. Mm. Whereas we need to value health. Health is more valuable than money. And if, if you disagree with that, um, you know, would you, if, you were, if you were sick and in hospital, say you had terminal cancer, how, mm. much, how much money would you 
say you, you know you're you you're say you've you've got a hundred million dollars but you have terminal cancer like how much would you pay yeah to be able to to be better 100 percent, right um or you just somebody who is old yeah even if you know they're they're just simply an old eight someone yeah. who's just is old um you know would you would you trade would you swap places with Warren Buffett? I was just gonna ask you that. <laughs> right? Would you swap places with yeah. right? Would you yeah, swap yeah, places yeah. with Warren Buffett? Yeah. No, no young man would. Yeah, he's a multi multi billionaire, one yeah. of the richest men in the world, and it's like no, you can have all of his billions, yeah. but you have to be eighty something yeah. years old. No, you wouldn't, yeah. because you're a time billionaire. Yeah, right. He's a money billionaire. You're a time billionaire. Yeah. You got you got that time. So that shows you, you know, both in terms of time and in terms of health we we don't um put a number on them necessarily yeah. in the same way that you can with money and say hey you know i'm worth uh you know x figures or whatever this is my net worth yeah. but health is so valuable if you don't have health then you 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 the rest becomes moot yeah the rest becomes moot if you're looking after your family and you have kids and you have a wife whatever it is you need to be around for them. You need yeah. to be healthy. You need to be physically present. Yeah. And you also need to be have enough energy mm-hmm. and be in a good enough mental state to take care of yourself and also to take care of them and be, yeah. be a man um, or, you know, if you're a woman, be a woman who, who they can rely on. So health is so important. And I think it's crazy that we live in a society where so many people put more value even on uh, material possessions than they do on health or they do on their body. They treat their clothing and their car and their house and, uh, you know, th- their television better than they treat their own body. Your yeah. body's not replaceable. Yeah. Say even if you have a dope car and you crash it, you can get another car. Mm-hmm. If that crash destroys your body. Yeah. Heart crashes. You're, 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 you're done, right? You, yeah. can't, you can't replace your body. You've yeah. got one. When your body stops working, you die. Yeah. Right? That's literally every cause of every, every death, <laughs> no matter it's a, if it's a gunshot or it's cancer, is caused by the failure of one of the major systems in your body. Yeah. Your heart shuts down, your brain shuts down, one of the systems shuts down. You know, your kidneys stop working, you, you, you get poisoned yeah. by because you can't detox, right? It's the failure, uh, critical system failure yeah. of a key part of your body. Um, and so look after it, mm-hmm. right? Nobody, nobody lives forever, right? Yeah. We're not immortal, yeah. but... Look, look, look after that because you just you cannot replace it. Talk to any doctor who's dealt with a lot of patients and say someone who, who drinks a lot and they've just like messed up. They've just messed up their internal, maybe externally, maybe they look OK, yeah. but they've just destroyed their liver. Yeah. They've just destroyed this. someone who's using a lot of drugs. They've just destroyed this heavy, heavy smoker for decades. Their lungs are just trashed. Mm-hmm. You can't just, you know, we have a lot of magical medicine where, yeah. you know, OK, maybe you can sometimes get things transplanted. And you, you might be fortunate. Maybe you can get a blood transfusion. You can get a kidney transplant, et cetera, if you're fortunate. Mm-hmm. But it's like, man, if you if you let your body yeah. go to crap and you're you're just pursuing, say, money or you're pursuing all of these other things, but you're not taking care of your health at the same time, I think yeah. you're you're very much barking up the wrong tree. No, Zuby. I mean this this has been this has been really good, man. I think the the third one, the health, was really powerful. I just think it's something where. You know, the the beauty about life, I tell people all the time, is that it's so easy to get overwhelmed by the world. Mm. It's so easy to get overwhelmed by the family breakdown of the world, mm. overwhelmed by the divisiveness of the world, overwhelmed by the unhealth of the world. Mm-hmm. But I pray that people take today's message primarily 
as how can I have a healthier family? Mm. How can I not be as divisive? How can I be healthy? Yeah. And if we have a bunch of individuals who take whatever tangible stuff, because like I said, me and Zuby were just thinking out loud today. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We were just simply thinking, brainstorming, conversing, agreeing, disagreeing, bouncing off ideas, good ideas, bad ideas, but we were thinking to find solutions to better our, our lives and the lives of other people. And if we as a society can do more of this, if we can simply be able to take the responsibility amongst ourselves, make ourselves better people, I mean, the world can be such a beautiful place. Mm. And, you know, whether it's tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people that watch the episode, you know, I truly believe that this message today, this message of solutions and of hope, because mm-hmm. today was a message of hope. Yep. A message of the way the world can become. Yeah. Instead of simply a message of despair and frustration about the way the world is. And so Zuby, I really appreciate you, man, sharing your wisdom and providing such insight. Where can people find you at? Sure thing. So you can find me on all social media at Zuby Music. That is Z-U-B-Y Music. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And if you want to check out my podcast or my music, you can find those on the usual channels such as Spotify and iTunes. Just search my name, Zuby, Z-U-B-Y. You will find me. Sounds great. Guys, I really hope that you guys enjoyed this, today's episode. Be sure to reach out to Zuby, send him a message, let him know what about the podcast stood out to you guys. Like I said, there's so many problems, but we have to find solutions. I hope you guys benefited and take advantage of a solution from today's episode. My name is Hafiz, and I'm joined by Zuby. We're going to roommates and have a great day. <laughs>